Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just like that, the final hour is here for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with E-Hop here and Old Smoky Moonshine. Maybe you're listening to this great radio partner or watching live on our Outkick channel on YouTube. We hope you'll subscribe while you're there. You can join Chad in the chats. Plus, pound the like button. You can hit the alarm and you'll know anytime that we go live or any of the great shows here on the network. Uh, or live or on demand each and every day, outkick.com, also the place where uh, you can get the very latest news and sports and pop culture and the latest on the new bill that Senator Tommy Tuberville and Joe Manchin have pushed for to effectively reach some change and regulate the future of name, image, likeness, and... Uh, legislation that they've been working on and, and have hosted coaches and administrators. Um, certainly uh, the NCAA has been heavily involved. I'm curious where we are on how soon this timetable now works itself out, Chad, as uh, we'll soon be joined by Senator Tupperville in, in a moment. Yeah, and you're not going to get anything that's going to get 100% approval with, with anything right. this day and age, right? I, I'm curious how, and I'm, I've kind of been reading some of the – media response to this, yep. how much of it's going to be viewed as overly pro-university uh, coach or versus one that's overly pro-athlete, right, and college athlete and what they can make financially. I think the goal is to get something that's fair that creates a situation where the student athletes are not employees but can still make the money that they want to make while in college, while getting an education, while getting a degree, and create a fair environment, as fair as possible, for Power 5 schools, right? Because we all know, Hutton, this is headed in a direction where it's going to be the Power 5 financially that that matter and that lead the way. Well, so many of the responses to just where we are in the NIL space, in the transfer portal space, have been about there needs to be guardrails, guidelines, regulations. Who's enforcing those regulations? Um, who enters the portal and when? How do you profit off of name, image, likeness, but also enforce the fact that you're not allowing pay for play? All of that is something that the NCAA took a, a big step back from in 2021, and it's where conferences, Chad mentioned the Power Five, have stepped forward asking for federal help in this. And the former college coach, Tommy Tuberville, is now United States senator uh, and has found bipartisan help in this with Senator Joe Manchin. And today they are pushing tangible change with name, image, likeness through uh, legislation and a new bill to regulate name, image, likeness rights. And we'll discuss that in in just a moment with Senator Tubbleville. If we get the thumbs up, Coach joins us now. Great to be uh, uh, 
visiting with you yet again, and uh, congrats on getting this bill uh, pushed out to now we actually get to read through it and see where we're headed in possible change for the NCAA and, and how we're looking at name, image, likeness. Well, we're not trying to invent the wheel here. All we're trying to do is, if you read the bill, it's called the PASS Act, and we've done our due diligence. My goodness, it's taken a year to get this done, and we've gotten a lot of uh, help from coaches, administrators, uh, commissioners, NCAA, collectives, parents, and uh, it's it's the best we could come up with. We might end up making a few more changes, but right now we feel like we've got four or five basic rules that we want to send to the floor to see if we can make it a law where every state has to go by the same basic rules. Uh, and of course, you're going to have a lot of Democrats up here that want to unionize every player and, and let them be individual contractors. And of course, if they do that, I mean, we're going to lose college sports as we know it anyway. But uh, we're trying to put some sense of reality and get the money. You know, again, I'm all for players making money. Uh, the Supreme Court said they can make money off their name, image, and likeness. I, I think it's great. That's fine. But it, uh, that ruling wasn't put in so uh, players could bid themselves and and be recruited with money. It was just uh, it's getting totally out of control. Take us through, Senator, the 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 the, the highlights of this, if you will, uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville, with us. Uh, why does this bipartisan NIL bill? Um, why does it work for the future of college athletics and specifically at the very top where we're discussing all the money and the free for all that we've seen? Well, again, you know, th these are basic rules. The NCAA is going to have to come in and, and add to this or take away. But, but, the, but the main thing is we want all 50 states going by the same rules. Now, you've got states like California that they're, they're a bunch of rogues anyway, and they just want to do what they want to do. And, and that's fine. If they don't want to go by this, hey, start your, start your own league. But what we want to do is make sure that we, we get back to education. And it's about student athlete. It's not about money. Uh, now, again, I'm all for athletes making money, but if we don't watch what we're doing, we're going to end up ruining and taking out in higher education, Olympic sports and women's sports because they have to have funding. And if you start putting money in all the football players and basketball players and uh, uh, you don't pay attention to the other sports, they're going to be non-funded and you got to have money to run these sports. So. Uh, that's one of the main ideas that we got from from the administrators, uh, uh, a lot of coaches that it has to be the money has to be moved around. Uh, but again, it's uh, we didn't we didn't invent the invent the wheel. This is not perfect. We're just trying to get some parameters where we can get medical attention after graduation, where athletes get can get some kind of medical attention paid for, uh, whether it's cognitive or or orthopedic care after they've graduated. And uh, there's small things like that that we, we want to make sure a lot of the money is going to go in that direction because a lot of these young men and women have problems after they leave college. And we want to make sure that uh, uh, that's taken care of. The, the, the transfer portal, uh, I think there's some good things to it, but we want to go back to the old rule. If you read it, the, uh, the, if you transfer, uh, except for a few exceptions, if you try, want to transfer, I'm fine with that. But you, you gotta, you've got to have some kind of penalty to it because you've made a contract with a university that you're coming there to play for that school. Now, if you transfer, you have to set out a year. Now, there's going to be some exceptions if coaches leave, uh, uh, health reasons. Uh, you, have, you always have to have some exceptions. But this transfer portal where they just get up and, and move, 
and take more money going to another school. That's not what education's about. And again, th this is these things are coming from the coaches and administrators and players and families, uh, uh, the commissioner. Th this is coming from these people. This is not coming from me, uh, ex-coach Tommy Tuberville. This is coming from the people that are going through these things right now, understanding that we have got to do something, and these are the best things that we can do to make this work. Why was the transfer portal piece of this that's included in that that you just talked about, Senator? Why, why was that important in this bill to curb the ability for players to transfer without penalty? Well, because, uh, first of all, what are you teaching in athletics? And, again, this is not coming from me. This is coming from uh, some players, some coaches, parents. Uh, they want some stability. They want an opportunity to – for schools to be able to build teams, whether it's a hockey team, whether it's a basketball team, whether it's a volleyball team. And if you come in and you have mass transfers every year, you're not going to have the ability to do that. Also, if you come in and transfer, if you look at, go back and look at the stats. If a man, a young man or woman transfers at a university, the opportunity for them to end up and finish with a degree is minimal is minimal because when you transfer, you lose almost every hour that you've earned at that other school. And so you having to, you're having to add on a year or two of, of staying at that university to get that degree. We wanted to stay as close to the education part as we possibly could. Now, again, if you want to transfer because a coach left uh, or, or, or some other reason that, that was uh, that was necessary, there's going to be exceptions, but just to get up and say, listen, I can go to this other school and I can make 50,000 more dollars. Uh, that's fine. If that school wants to pay you that, that's good, but you're going to have to set out a year. Uh, I think there has to be some re repercussions. You can, we cannot be teaching these young men and women to quit because of money. The whole reason that they're going to a higher education is for a degree. If you want to go make money, then Probably the pro route is the best for you. Senator Tommy Tuberville with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. W would this bill ensure that athletes are not deemed employees? That, that has certainly been uh, discussed throughout this entire process, Coach. And, and will this bill also prevent revenue sharing and, and the possibility of unionization, which has also been a hot topic? Yeah, we don't need unionization in college athletics. Uh, we don't need it. We don't need individual contractors. We need people to come to school to go for an education. If they can make their make money off their name and image, I'm all for that. And I think it's great. I think there's a possibility for uh, some revenue sharing in this. I'm for every player making money. I'm from every player that that's at some of these big schools that are making the school 40, 50 million dollars in television money. I think there should be a certain percentage of that. Uh, they need to sit down and do that. But that doesn't need to come as a federal law. Uh, federal law, we need to stand up and say, okay, all schools are going to do the same thing in about four or five different things. I think the NCAA and the university should step in and say, okay, we're going to give 20% or 10% or 30% uh, to the athletes, but not just the right, not just the quarterback and the running back and the wide receiver, everybody, first, second, third team that's on the team that's there to play for that university. Also the same thing for a volleyball player or a softball, women's softball player. They should get, they should get some of the revenue, but that needs to be run through the, the, the educational system, the university, 
the more these universities take care of the athletes, at the end of the day, they're going to have a lot better opportunity to recruit young men and women from high schools to come to their university. You've spent a lot of time on this, uh, as, as we have certainly detailed over the course of the last year or so. Uh, the NCAA certainly took a step back uh, from this. Charlie Baker's now the, the president. In, in the rules, NCAA rules should be able to enforce this. They didn't want to at the time. Will they be able to enforce federal law? And are, is the NCAA ready to actually regulate what you're putting forward if this bill passes? Well, that's a good point. Uh, first of all, we got a long way to go on this. Uh, it's got to go through the Senate. And it's got to pass with 60 votes. And it's got to go through the House. It's got to pass by a majority. Then it has to go to the White House and be signed by the president. That's how laws are made and put together. Uh, it's going to be a chore to get that done because we have a lot of Democrats that want to unionize these kids. They want to take advantage of them. Uh, they want to use them as pawns. Uh, hopefully we can stay away from that. Charlie Baker and I, I've, I've had a good conversations with him. I think he's going to be good uh, for the NCAA. I think he's, a, he's got fresh ideas. Uh, if this does go through, it will give them an opportunity, you know, to, to build upon that. But you got to remember, this is not a rule. If we pass this through the House, Senate, and the White House, it's not a rule. It is a federal law, and they will all go by this. Uh, every state, and that's what we're trying to create here. You've got some rogue states that wants to do their own thing. And if we get into that, you're not going to have fair competition across this country. And how are you going to have a national champion if you've got some people, uh, you know, having, say, 50 baseball scholarships and some having 10? You can't do that. I mean, you've, and that's just, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm, that's not in this bill. I just want to let people know we're trying to make fairness out of this. And it's hard to do that when you got so many parameters. Uh, take it from somebody that did it for 35, 40 years. Uh, I know how hard this is. And so we, we wanted to stay out of the weeds on this and just give basic things to where the NCAA can build off this and Charlie Baker and all of his group. It can work with the coaches and administrators and the commissioners to make this work. This is going to be hard to get done. It's just, this is just the start of the fight. I mean, the fight is just now starting. So we'll see how far along we get with this. How much consideration was given to student athletes in this? In, in trying to create a system that's fair, it's impossible to go 100% athlete side, 100% administration side. But when considering this bill, how much consideration was given to the student athlete? Well, the, the first thing we looked at, Joe Manchin and I and our staff, we looked at education and student athlete first. Now, I could care less about the coaches or the universities or the athletic departments or the NCAA. This is about our young people. The number one commodity in our country is not gold and silver or, or gas and oil. It's our young people. And if we don't understand that, we're not going to make it as a country. Uh, that's how this country has been able to make it 247 years is because we, we, we educated our young people on, on moral values, hard work and effort, and learning to work with other people. That's what sports gives you. That's what our military gives us. And that's the only two institutions left. If we tear these two down, uh, uh, our country won't be the same in the future. So uh, we started with the student athletes and the education part. And uh, again, we put everybody else aside uh, and try to think about them first in every decision that we made. Senator Tommy Tuberville has, has been our guest in the new NIL legislation that he and Senator Joe Manchin uh, have drafted in a bipartisan bill that's now headed through this process. 
Uh, Coach, thank you so much for yet again joining us and trying to get through the weeds of this. And again, I know this has been a long process. Hopefully we can continue to dissect it with you moving forward. Well, y'all know how hard this is. So it, it's uh, it, it's going to be very, very difficult. It's uh, like putting a, a, a round peg in a square hole. It's going to be tough, but we're trying and we're going to give it all we've got. And we're going to have to have a lot of help from a lot of people and people are going to have to give and take uh, to make this work. But hey, thanks for having me on and hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll catch up soon. Thank There's, you, uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville. Uh, and we'll be combing through the, the details of this uh, proposed legislation which is going to be tough to enforce because the NCA could not enforce their own rules at the time based on what the Supreme Court ruled in the Alston case, but also just gave the opinion, hey, if this were to happen, if this were to happen, you'd probably lose this case too. And then Emmert took a step back. Now, let's, who takes a step forward? Let's, well, this bill. let's react a little bit to this when we come back because they're doing some really good work for the NCAA right now. I'll discuss. Yeah. They're keeping them afloat. Yeah. Play Travis also later in today's show. Stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hot Mike with Henry Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location in Music City with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Fun day. Big day. Yeah. Uh, our thanks to Senator Tommy Tuberville for joining us to discuss the proposed bill that is now bipartisan. Uh, already legislation uh, and structure around what they're trying to regulate, which feels like just the old NCA rules. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk to, we'll talk to our next guest a little bit about this, but already getting lit up in the YouTube chat. Why don't you guys hit them on this, this, and this? And I'm like, we have four questions to ask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with a, with a politician, we have a, we have a hard break. typically you're going to get like four or five questions in, and we've got a hard break at the end of the segment. And, you know, us just talking over him, yelling at him about the things you want us to yell at him, that's really not the most productive way to conduct an interview with someone. So, um, my apologies, but not really to anyone who had a problem with the interview because, quite frankly, we crushed it. <laughs> so, uh, Clay Travis joins us in studio here at Sixth and Peabody, our, our fearless leader. Clay he's just crushed something, too. The founder of Outkick. I hope. And, and, and he's crushed the, the wardrobe today for good reason. Uh, we haven't mentioned what you've been doing here, Clay. Uh, I don't know if you've told anyone else either what the interview you just taped here on No, I, I haven't told anybody. I just uh, finished... Uh, literally a full hour uh, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis talking about kind of everything under the sun uh, as a part of his uh, presidential campaign. So he's in town uh, in the state of Tennessee. I think news earlier today that they had an accident uh, in part of the car uh, group that he was driving in in Chattanooga. Uh, he's, I think, basically been all over the state, and he's in Nashville now for a fundraiser this evening. And uh, I, I just spent, like I said, an hour with him 
and I think it's going to be pretty interesting for people to hear that conversation. We talked about everything from uh, his love of baseball cards as a kid to would he take the uh, VP slot if Donald Trump offered it to him. So I, I think it's going to be a pretty illuminating, interesting, enjoyable interview for people. And I always think you're talking about your interview with Tuberville. Um, and obviously, I know Tommy Tuberville a little bit uh, through not only sports, but also him being a senator from Alabama now. Uh, but I, I always think it's uh, it's interesting to do interviews, and you're saying people are complaining about the questions you didn't ask. I always ask questions that I would want to know the answer to if I were out in my car listening yeah. or if I were somewhere consuming this content. So that doesn't mean that, it, that anybody who conducts an interview is ever going to be flawless. I mean, I'll hold – you know, uh, my note, this is, I talked to DeSantis for an hour. I don't know if anybody can zoom in, but this is literally my entire notepad. So everything that I asked was off of this notepad. And I'm old school in that every show that I do, I just sit with a yellow legal pad and I jot down notes to make sure that I want to hit certain topics. So everything that I wrote down on here, I asked and then I left open time because I had the luxury of time to be able to ask additional questions that followed up on other answers. But I think one thing people don't understand if they don't ever conduct interviews is it's rare you have an unlimited amount of time. Uh, most of the time you have like seven or eight minutes and you've got to do your best in those seven or eight minutes to hit the questions that you want to ask while understanding that somebody might say something that you want to follow up on. So, look, interviewing like any other thing is an art form. Uh, you can go in the chat right now and see what people want to ask me, and I'll answer any question rapid fire ask, play anything. in 30 seconds or less. I don't want, like, hey, you know, uh, long-form answers, but anything people want an answer <laughs> to, I try to try to be as, uh, as responsive as possible. Well, and, yeah, you, and you normally are for sure. Here's one of the examples, Clay, right, with a guy like Tommy Tuberville. The, the top – complaint we'll get is here is a guy who got up from dinner with a college recruit to leave one job and take another job and not come back to the dinner when he got a call for more money or a job that he wanted how can he talk about commitment and everything else and not opening up the transfer portal right well when Tommy Tuberville is on with us and he says people who are only in it for the money should go play pro sports this is college sports and it's different I already know his answer if I say that, and it'll be, well, that's why I went to college and became a college coach as my profession, where I could take jobs for more money or better opportunity or whatever it may be. But if I ask that question to Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville now hates me, and he's not <laughs> going to answer Hutton's next question for bringing that up. So I have now killed a productive interview where we're getting good answers from him about this bill. Well, I also, he's answered that question like a lot over the years. So the fact that you want a question asked that somebody has already answered, potentially answered for years, is actually a flaw in your research. Because if you really care that much about the answer to that question, you can get your phone and there's something called Google and you can type in and see exactly what Tommy Tuberville said eight years ago uh, in response to that question. Um, here's, here's the other thing that I would say. Um, I remember having this conversation with Colin Cowherd. Uh, I don't check mentions typically during my radio program. Uh, I've got the biggest radio show in the country. Um, before that, I had a big national radio show. But I remember having this conversation uh, with uh, Colin Cowherd. And he's like, I, for a while, early on in Twitter, would check messages. And I'm paraphrasing Colin. 
and he would say, like, somebody would say, I don't know why you're talking about LeBron James right now. I don't know why you're talking about Tom Brady right now. And he would say, well, because the ratings reflect that people really care about Tom Brady and LeBron James, and they don't care about, I don't know, the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. If, however, and I would say this to anybody, if you think I talk about topics that enough people don't care about, guess what? Start your own media company, right? If you think that you have an incredible grasp of topics that are being otherwise under-discussed or not discussed at all, do what I did. Start your own sports media company and get fabulously wealthy, or or you can be a little bitch, sit anonymously on Twitter, and <laughs> complain about people who have the job that you wish you had. It's a pretty easy fix. Because guess what? When I started in 2004, do you know what my audience was? Zero. Zero people, right? I was a practicing attorney in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I had an audience literally of zero. And now we have a daily audience of millions. I bet on myself. I trusted my own instincts. And now we got a big company. So, I, I mean this honestly. If you think that you have a unique skill set that is otherwise being underutilized in a larger media ecosystem or anywhere, right? If you think you're underpaid as a mechanic, there's an analogy I like to tell my boys, all right? Uh, if you go to a concert, what do you pay for a bottle of water? Six bucks? Too seven much, bucks? At least. Six yeah. or seven bucks, at right? At least, yeah. Okay. That same bottle of water, if you walk into a, uh, into a grocery store, you can buy, I don't know, a whole ba- a package of 12 for like $7, right? I'm guessing. I don't know. I haven't yeah, bought four water. Four to seven bucks. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's the same exact product. In one place, it's valued at $7. In another place, it's valued at 50 cents. If you believe that you are being undervalued where you are, then go to the place that you could get a $7 bottle of water. Same exact product. Maybe your talents are not being utilized in the way that would allow you to 14 times your earnings because you can change the price of a bottle of water, exact same product, Dasani, 50 cents at the grocery store, seven bucks at the concert. It's the same product. It's all about the location, giving it the value. I could talk bottled water all day, <laughs> but I do want to ask you about this bill uh, that they they presented in uh, just the future of college sports. And there was one line in this about this is a bill that can preserve college sports as we know it. Clay, my question to you is, is the illusion of college sports as a conduit to a college education and what we thought of college sports, maybe even when we were kids, is that dead forever? Or is there any way to get that back without thinking about college sports as a profession given the money involved? I have zero concern about what anybody who plays college athletics drives as a vehicle or where they live. So I, I am a capitalist. So if you have a talent at 18 or 19 or 20 years old that is of value, I think that you should be able to unlock it. Now, having said that, I think there are a couple of things that are significant that need to be reconciled in college athletics. One is, if we're going to have 50 different state laws, you're going to create a competitive imbalance. Think about this for a minute. Uh, The NFL is the most successful pro sports league in American history. What do they sell? Competition. They sell the idea that on any given Sunday, anybody can win, and we all buy it enough that we're willing to watch. Interestingly, most business 
the goal is to put your competitor out of business. The Cowboys can't put the Eagles out of business. That would actually make the Cowboys less valuable. What the NFL sells is competitive uh, excellence and the idea that anybody could win on any given Sunday. So, first of all, college athletics is similar because what you're selling is competitive excellence. And so, if you are creating, because of the rules, a situation by which competitive excellence doesn't exist, then I think that's a flaw. The other part of this is, um, you know, we have no pure marketplaces in pro sports outside of Major League Baseball. That is, every other pro sport has a salary cap. Um, And so on some level, I think what you're focusing on when you ask the question, like, what does this mean for college athletics? It is, if there's only 10 schools that can afford to be really good, then I think that's bad for college athletics, whether it's basketball, whether it's football. If, and I actually think this is going to be the case, NIL actually expands competitive balance so that, let's say you're at Ole Miss, you can be better uh, than you would otherwise, and I think expanding to 12-team playoffs makes this more likely, then I think it can lead to a better flourishment of college athletics. And the way that I would look at it with Rowan Hutton is I would look at the ratings. And so far, the ratings are not reflecting that people are concerned about NIL to the extent that they're turning it off. On the contrary, uh, we just saw the most watched women's college basketball game of all time. The NCAA tournament just set all-time highs for early rounds. And the ratings on college football are pretty fantastic. So I would suggest that the audience ultimately determines whether or not they like the product that's out there. And so far, they're saying, hey, we like this. Yeah, and you mentioned competitive balance. I think the portal has been excellent for college basketball. The tournament this past year is a great indication of where that's headed. Uh, This would curve that a bit based on the language of this. And the the, the problem I have with with the concept of this, Clay, is that basically this feels like NCAA rules that they could not enforce two years ago. Yeah. And now, because all of a sudden, if this, you know, if this passes, and it's unlikely, but if it passes, snap of the fingers, the NCA and Charlie Baker, they're going to enforce this all I, of a sudden. I, I don't buy it because they they knew they couldn't do it then, and it, I mean, the state of Tennessee is threatening to sue them if yeah. they have a bowl ban for the university and, and penalties. Well, and I'll it, give you an example. You guys probably talked. I, I haven't had my phone on for the last couple of hours, so let yeah. me know if this is wrong. But my, when I last I checked. Jim Harbaugh was likely to get suspended for four games. That's right. Negotiating. Okay. That's correct. That, yeah. Okay. Withrow, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe what Jim Harbaugh is being accused of is basically the exact same thing that Bruce Pearl uh, did. I brought this up in the first yes. segment. Yeah. Okay. Lying about something that was pretty arbitrary. Okay. So Bruce Pearl got how many years? Five. Five years of suspension. Was it three or five? I thought it was three, four. Three, three years, Davey's saying. Okay, three years. I know pl- it was an odd number. It was three or five. I think it was three years plus half of an SEC season because I think they suspended him for the last year that he coached at Tennessee. My point on that is we've gone from Bruce Pearl dealing with, let's say, three and a quarter uh, year suspension to now the NCAA is so weakened that when Jim Harbaugh lies to them, he gets four games. So – I think the NCAA is basically an inept and worthless bureaucratic organization that I don't know provides any significant benefit to the larger college athletic structure. And what I keep waiting for is for all of these big, so-called big schools, 
to just spin off and create their own organization. But right now, the challenge is you've got 50 different organizations all competing, uh, and those are states, to try to create the best competitive advantage for the respective institutions in their state. And I can see how that can create a huge mess in terms of just trying to implement the most basic rules. Are you sticking till the end of the show with us? What time is it now? Uh, 35 after, 435 Central. Yeah, I can stay. Do you want to do a rapid fire? People can fire We'll do a up rapid and- fire coming up. But, uh, uh, and we can dive back into anything on the chat. Uh, how did you? Uh, how much time did you spend on this? I, I like the jacket, by the way. Yeah. Um, did Laura pick this out? Did, no, Laura's you, when taking. You found the, this was happening yesterday. Do you like? What am I wearing? No, Laura's taking the bar. Um, so uh, I mean, I uh, the bar exam in the state of Tennessee right now. So I don't think she has any idea what I've done today, um, <laughs> and so or that I was even talking to DeSantis. I mean, this came together quickly. Fast, nor nor yeah. would she care if she did. I'm yeah. just saying <laughs> you, you put it together well, Clay. That's all. I'm saying. Uh, well, yeah. Well I done. Mean, Thank you. Um, yeah, thousand we'll dollar boots and everything else. You, these done. are yeah. These are crocodile skin. Not to brag. I don't know if people can see these. Um, Did you kill the crocodile? <laughs> I would. You're like crocodiles. I, I do. This is from Australia. You know I, they're legit because the price isn't on the hill like uh, mine. This oh. is the most expensive article of clothing that I've ever purchased. These, we'll break down Clay's belt when we come belt back. Is we'll not, go through belt the is wardrobe. not expensive, but these these are prime. Uh, coming up more with uh, Clay Travis, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Stay with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow with you. Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Clay Travis in studio with us uh, for the remainder of the show. Uh, Clay uh, used to have the Twitter handle, Clay Travis BGID, beer getting it done. The hair is getting it done today. Uh, Withrow even pointed it out that you had moved the headset back a little bit. Well, people camera. are claiming, uh, and I, I, I defended Clay on this because I know he doesn't. They're asking if Clay's coloring his hair. Now, thought his hair looked darker. Yeah, I don't think he does. No, I've never uh, – I don't think I'm ever going to die. I, I can't say never um, because I, I don't know what I'll die feel like hair. when I'm 54. Um, yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> I'll definitely die. Um, D-Y-E, not D-I-E. Uh, we all know Clay will no, die. He does not I, think he's immortal. I have uh, – not yet. I can see the um, headlines now. <laughs> I, uh, I've never died. Never died the hair. So, uh, I don't plan on doing it. Um, but, like I said, when I'm 54, maybe I'll suddenly have a change. Um and uh, and I'll be like Al Michaels and have uh, dark brown hair for the next uh, you know forty years. Who knows? It is weird when the older guy goes like different color. You know, it's not like it's not just jet black for like dark hair, but yeah. their hair color changes. I but, think I'm incredible at noticing when people's hair color changes. Nick Saban had this happen. Oh, I mean, where suddenly his hair color was different. It wasn't just like dark. It was a different color altogether. Yeah, and I don't know who we're. You know, fooling. I mean, I would. How much different do people think about Nick Saban? He's what seventy four. If he had uh, dark hair, versus I mean, if he had white hair instead of dark hair. I, I think it's more like if you're going to do that, if you're going to paint your hair, yeah, you have to do it at a certain stage to where it's gradual and it's not noticeable. And I think you keep doing it because if you stopped, it would be catastrophic. Oh, such a such a yeah. Because okay, you're so great. Yeah, at least uh, that would be. I'm trying to think why you would keep doing it at 70. 
Yeah, know? well, I'm not trying to pretend to be younger than I am now, but that's why I said, but maybe when I'm 54, like, I'll be like, oh, my God, I look, you know, 68 or 75. You know, people might think that I look 64 now. I, I don't know. I work a lot. I don't sleep much. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I'm 44. No, I, all natural. But I, I'm, I'm thinking like but What's an acceptable age to have white hair? That's what I keep asking myself because a lot of men in my family go gray pretty early. Yeah. So if I'm, I haven't I've noticed cousin, that with you. Though. I've had a cousin who was like completely gray at 47. That seems pretty early to me to be totally white haired. But then you have like kind of the Anderson Cooper look, where you're young and the white hair actually is a good look because your face is still young enough. I actually think it looks weird. And I say this because it doesn't look weird to me because Al Michaels has always looked. I'm just not trying to pick on Al Michaels, but clearly he would have white hair. Uh, I also think it factors in if you have hair, right? Um, because the bald guy is a, is a tough look, I think, in general. And I think there's probably some insecurity associated with being bald. Um, and so that can factor in on hair. I, I don't know. I'm not that worried. I think also if you're single, I, I, you know, like everybody knows like the, the guy who gets divorced and then, like, instead of – he's got, like, a whole new wardrobe because he never bought clothes the whole time he was married. <laughs> and then, you know, you go from, like, oh, that guy dresses like it's 2004 to that guy dresses like it's 2024, like, overnight, <laughs> or even 2027. Like, you're, like, three years ahead Futuristic of what the, yeah, you're like three you, years. You go from jo- uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh to Sean McVay. Yeah, basically. right. Yeah. Like, you're, you're dressed – you're dressed like it's New York City uh, in, uh, you know, in, and you live in, like, Birmingham, Alabama in 2027. You're, like, four years ahead of everybody else's curve. Like, so I think that factors in whether you're trying to pretend your age. But I just don't know, you know, if people see Al Michaels, do they think he's way younger because he has dyed hair? I don't know. Nick Saban, same thing. I'm not in that category yet, but, no, my hair is all natural. I think the white hair just looks better. I think I think Al Michaels would look better with white hair. I, like, think, I, well, I like a graying look. I don't know that I want to go completely white at a young age, but graying hair to me is totally fine. That's why I never want to dye my like hair. Like if Joe Biden still had brown hair, it would look super ridiculous, right? Yes. Because no he's clearly 82 or whatever the heck he is, 81. And what, who are you like, fooling, right? I think that becomes the question, at what point do you go full gray? Hey, Travis, uh, I'm worried about the, the beard going full gray before anything. With I, think, I don't think that's a bad look. Like, my beard is grayer than my hair, and I think – I don't know what the reason is for that. I presume because the beard gets trimmed faster, so the hair lasts – I don't know. Are you and I grained at the same time frame here? Because I, I get I, – I've signed your autograph several times. <laughs> so, I just put a big C. I've told you. There's I just, C in a line. I just but, don't want to be held responsible for children that aren't mine. That's well, what I'm more concerned yeah. about than autographs. <laughs> I better shave the beard then. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um, Alejandro says it's time to start the Outkick lifestyle column <laughs> based on this conversation. Yes. We can offer a lot of advice. I mean, I've been doing the anonymous mailbag for years. I, I think I'm not going to surprise anybody. I think I'm credible at giving advice on all subjects. Uh, you're headed to see the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long has this been planned? And I mean, this is father of the year category here. If you're going to two, you're going to back-to-back series. Yeah, I'm going to be in Atlanta from Friday to Wednesday. So I leave in three days. Uh, I try to get my boys down every year for a homestand. So with different, you know, athletic events going on and school events and, you know, the kids get older and they have more activities. So this was the only one that worked when there wasn't, you know, baseball, football, whatever else is going on. So we are going to be there. Uh, for uh, uh, six games. I can't wait. This will be the first year we ever went to the Braves was that ridiculous COVID year 
And the reason why we went in there was because you could stay at the hotel and actually watch the game take place inside of the stadium. And my then eight-year-old was such a monster Braves fan. He was like, Dad, this is what I want for my birthday. So I guess he was turning nine. And so we went down and watched games from the hotel there for people who are not familiar to be able to look into the Braves game. And uh, my not my middle son has made the whole family Braves fans. So we're going to be down there staying at the hotel, going to games. I can't wait. Clay, can you explain to us how you've become uh, even more of a millionaire gambling on women's <laughs> World Cup action? I lost last night. I only went one and two. Uh, my theory is, I believe... But I saw today you were like 12-2-1 or something overall. Yeah, 13-3-2 uh, <laughs> betting Women's World Cup. And all I'm doing is betting based on which country has the best human rights for women. So I don't know a single player. I know the U.S. women. I don't know a single player anywhere. I stayed up last night till 11 o'clock watching Columbia, South Korea, Columbia versus South Korea women's soccer uh, because I was on the South Koreans. Um, and by the way, <laughs> I just got to say, that South Korean women's coach has got to be fired immediately. I did not like the performance that I saw. Me and all the other South Korean women's soccer fans out there expected better. You're preparing for this for four Clay years. Clay Travis's house and soul were I, both despondent just, last night after that match. When we share this clip, we are going to go viral in South Korea immediately because every South Korean soccer women's fan knows exactly what I'm talking about. This was not a well-prepared team. This was not a well-coached team. They did not have a strategy that could have led to victory. Uh, so I lost last night the Columbia game. The Philippines uh, took out New Zealand. And I'm just going to be honest, I expected better from the Kiwis. Uh, this is their home tournament. Uh, they got uh, blanked one zip. Uh, congratulations to the Philippines. Imelda Marcos, if she's still alive, probably very happy. Uh, but uh, I was not happy with that uh, overall outcome. Clay, have you ever considered rooting against the Americans because you disagree with Megan Rapino? No, I wouldn't root against them over politics. I would root against them over gambling. Um, so if I think there's a value that's like tonight, uh, is it tomorrow? tomorrow? Tomorrow the U.S. women play the Netherlands. And I was looking at that and I was like, man, I think there might be value on the Netherlands women here uh, because they allow. <laughs> but who has the better human rights record well, for women? So, I mean, honestly, this is where I was assessing. They allow prostitution in the Netherlands. Is that good for women or bad for women's <laughs> rights? I mean, that's a big debate. What a huge question that we yeah. can't possibly answer on this show right now. Uh, but so very I complex question. <laughs> I decide, but then it's legal in. It's very uh, sex positive. That's something I know. It's legal in Nevada, so there are some places where you can sell sex. Is that a pro women's human rights or not? I mean, it's really kind of a fascinating uh, debate. And so I ended up coming down on the side of the U.S. women. Uh, but um, I do think this. I, I, was at, I was in the crowd in the U.S. women win over Japan in 2015 in Vancouver, Canada. And that women's World Cup team, the entire United States, they were beloved. They were one of the most liked teams that I can remember in, in recent vintage. And I do feel like they have chopped off a lot of their fan base by, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm making fun of the, the, the human rights and the way that I'm gambling just by analyzing it. But imagine how much different the conversation around the U.S. women's team would be if instead of attacking America on the global stage when they were, I believe, in France in 19 and now they're in Australia and before that in Canada, they weren't political. If they had said, hey, and this is the truth, 
People say, how come the U.S. women are so much better than the U.S. men? Like, why do the U.S. women win World Cups and the men don't? And I say, well, because women around the world can't all drive cars. They can't wear shorts. Women's athletes in much of the rest of the world do not have an opportunity to make a living by pursuing top-level athletic endeavors. So if the Megan Rapinos of the world would come out and say, actually, look, America's imperfect. Everything in our country is not flawless. But if every other country around the world gave their women the same freedom that the women of the United States have, then the Women's World Cup would be far more competitive and we would actually be far less likely to win. So the answer is the men, if you are a talented male athlete anywhere in the world, supremely talented, usually that talent gets developed. Whether you live in North Korea or if you live in the United States. The same isn't true for women. If you were the most talented women's soccer player of all time and you're growing up in Afghanistan right now, you have almost no opportunity to get your talent out to the masses because you aren't able to wear shorts and play soccer. To me, that's such a compelling story to tell and it actually would be so unifying because it speaks to American exceptionalism and yet the U.S. women won't make that argument. Instead, they want to say Donald Trump is awful and he's Hitler or whatever. Like, And Megan Rapinoe wants to argue that a dude who's pretending to be a chick should be able to be on the U.S. women's soccer team. I just don't think they're all as crazy as Megan Rapinoe. I mean, I, I think we all agree. She's no, I nuts. Think, I think a lot I of... I don't think Julie Ertz, who had a kid and just came back after two years, who's married to Zach Ertz, I think it's counterintuitive for me to root against her because I dislike I think Megan that's a good, I think that's a good argument. And, and by the way, I think... I think all, she's the most vocal. That's the, what people think all about. All of them the country should be able to speak yeah. out, right? I believe you should be able to give any opinion that you want. But the opinion I just shared is actually the reason why the U.S. women are good relative to the rest of the world. It's because of exceptional human rights in the United States. And because this country is so wealthy, six-year-old girls everywhere can go play soccer and then they can grow up and be the next Megan Rapinoe or the next Julie Ertz or the next uh, you know, uh, Alex Morgan or whoever the superstar is that you want to point to. And, uh, and I think that's an incredible asset of America and something to be celebrated. And that's what I would like for, for them to be saying if they want to talk about political-related issues. How about just support girls all over the world being able to wear shorts and play soccer? That seems like something that would be healthy. Clay, before the, we wrap up here, uh, give us an idea about what took place today with, with Ron DeSantis, your interview, and when, where, where we'll see that, how, all that. I as think we're going to pop know. out some of it late tonight. Um, there's going to be a lot of news that comes out of it. I mean, we talked for a full hour. What was your favorite part of the, uh, the responses you, you got? I mean, I think the most interesting part was just talking with Ron DeSantis about how much he liked baseball cards when he was a kid. Um, He's a Braves fan, isn't he? No, uh, that's, I, a, that's a good question. I'm I not sure who he roots for. We talked about the Bucks. He, he talked about growing up a huge Tampa Bay Bucks fan. But, you know, he's exactly my age. So there weren't necessarily, like, I don't know when the Marlins got to Miami and Tampa got to Tampa. I think he's like me a little bit in that a lot of the pro sports franchises in Florida came after, you know, he was – Kind of getting up, like he would have been like fourteen when the Marlins got yeah. to town. 93. So I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'm not sure who his baseball team is. Yeah, I remember reading something. I don't know if it was Braves. It was out of out of Florida. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, look, our generation grew up watching two teams every night: the Cubs and the Braves. 
So there are Cubs fans and Braves fans because of WTBS and WGN all over the country and, frankly, all over the world just based on the fact that you could easily watch uh, those teams play on those stations. We're doing a straw poll, final 10 seconds. Whenever uh, Chad has his physical, his annual physical, what's likely to have a very high level? Everyone's going to give their own issue that Chad's likely to Estrogen. find out. Estrogen. Oh. Well, that ex- quite, that quite explains possibly, the, the lack yeah. of gray. Well, could That's be. That's the trick. It's well, not paint. And the lack of beard. Thanks. I'm the only one on this set right now without a beard. That's why. Thanks for coming in. That's fun. Keep up the good work, boys. Back at it tomorrow. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow right here on Outkick.